You're listening to This is a podcast where I teach Quincy a little bit about Marvel. And I teach Kay a little bit about makeup. Watch out, there are MCU spoilers ahead. Tons of spoilers. And today, our guest is an actor, director, comedian, and educator. He's held numerous residencies through Richmond, Virginia, Richmond, Virginia, and Los Angeles, and was awarded honorable mention for excellence in theater education by the American Theater Wing for the 2019 Tony Awards. And in 2018, he was also awarded the Second City Hollywood Bob Curry Fellowship. Please welcome my Dunzel. best friend, Donzel Lewis. Donzel Lewis. Sorry, Gary went off script. <laughs> welcome, Hi. welcome, Donzel. Thanks so much hello, for being hello. here. Um, thank um, you for having me. You know, this is Marvel and makeup, and I should have done better with like communicating with you through email because I guess we should mention that I'm also a drag queen. Oh, and yes. this is a makeup and Marvel show. <laughs> Award winning drag queen. <laughs> yes. So many winning like bio. <laughs> I was like, well, oh, that's fine. Yeah, I've done all those things. <laughs> well, well, I mean, which was, you know, we knew we knew that. So that's and so no, we're mentioning it now, um, which is why you're a great guest for Marvel Makeup. A book um, and busy drag queen also. B and bead. B and bead. Oh, I like the sound of that. And well, in terms of the Marvel portion today, we are talking about Black Panther, um, which was directed by Ryan Coogler, and which he co-wrote with Joe Robert Cole um, and was released on February 16th of 2018. Uh, if you don't know, Ryan Coogler also directed Fruitvale Station and Creed. Um, so those were some of his other movies to get you into the mindset of what was happening in 2018. Um, you know, Black Panther, obviously a record-breaking movie because of the all-Black, all-African-American cast. Um, So there were other very big milestones for the community as well that year. Um, For example, um, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry got married that year, which was pretty substantial. Um, And But Beyonce was the first Black woman to headline Coachella in 2018. And also the Obama portraits were revealed that year, which um, gave the National Portrait Gallery the first paintings that were painted by African-American artists, um, as well as uh, Jordan Peele winning for the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay and Childish Gambino coming out with This is America. Um, So a lot of achievements in this year when Black Panther came out. That's that's a lot. I remember all of those things, but I don't, I I remember them all as if they were almost spread out over like five years because it was so much stuff. That was all one year. That was all in 2018. Wow. Um, I just can't believe Meghan Markle's only been married to Prince Harry for three years. It feels like it's been longer. I mean, they talk about it so much. (laughs) I just can't believe that I have not met and married a prince similar to (laughs) Meghan Markle and her story and i don't understand like if she can literally find a prince yeah why can't i you know it happens all the time in like netflix uh holiday movies you know yeah 
So it's like, yeah, how come that just doesn't happen? Just, I feel like that's an all the time thing. You have now. to move back home. Like you have to like move back home for Christmas and be yeah. like, oh, I don't really want to be here. I have to be here, um, but here I am. That's, that's the key. Yeah. You have to and be a, a success. Magically shows up. Yeah. Yeah. In your hometown. Because a snowstorm hits oh, okay. and he gets stranded. As- as long as it's a real prince, I don't, I don't mean the American romanticized, like, you know, Prince Charming. No, no, no. I mean, like she married a literal legal. Yeah. Dude's got a castle. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Dude's she's got a, a castle. She's a literal <laughs> princess, an actual princess. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess not anymore, but she was for three years. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Until the, the great escape. Uh, which was more I don't know. That's, I just put that I called it right now. Uh, yeah, I'm call it that from now on too. <laughs> okay, go go ahead. But for now, forever shall be known as the Great Escape. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, and and just a few more things about you know the movie in general, just because it was so um, record breaking for Marvel for the box office. Um, it grossed over $1.3 billion worldwide and broke numerous box office records, becoming the highest grossing film directed by a black filmmaker, ninth highest grossing film of all time, third highest grossing film in the U.S. and Canada, and second highest grossing film of 2018. Received, received numerous accolades, um, including seven nominations for the Oscars, including the first nomination for Best Picture for a Superhero Film, um, and actually That's like one pretty rare, right? For a superhero movie to get yeah, nominated first time for an ever. Oscar. Yeah. They never, they never nominate superhero movies. I remember there was one year where Hugh Jackman um, nominated, uh, hosted the Oscars. Um, and it was the year Iron Man came out and in his opening, in his opening sequence, they mentioned that like there was literally uh, like a segment of the song. They're like, how come comic book movies never get nominated? Um, and like made, they made jokes. Like that was the, the year the reader came out with Kate Winslet and everyone was just like, Oh, the reader, everyone is nominating the reader. And then did anybody actually go see the reader? Probably not really, <laughs> but everyone saw like yeah. Iron Man, like a bunch of times and it came out in the same year, but no nominations for Iron Man. That was also the same year Dark Knight came out and no nominations for Dark Knight. Um, so yeah, so that's why uh, Black Panther as a superhero film getting nominated for Best Picture was record breaking. Um, and it actually won uh, Oscars for Best Costume Design, Best Original Score and Best Production Design, as well as three Golden Globes, two SAG Awards and three Critics' Choice Awards. So... Like like wow. our illustrious guest, award winning, very much award winning guest and award winning film. Um, so yeah, I so won those awards. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, when I was, the awards that I when, won. I was <laughs> when I was reading your bio, uh, there's a, you had you know obviously you were listing all your awards. I was like, there's so many awards here. I, I need to find another word to use for like award winning. <laughs> so so the bio can be more more. And, you know, varied up. Um, right, that's, the, that's the problem. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, this is just someone just recently called me award winning. And I was like, have I won any awards? And it was like, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't won. Wait, wait. <laughs> Why is this? Anyway, that was just me being like the opposite of Don Selby. <laughs> like, no awards. 
Sorry, did you go ahead? I was going to say, but it it makes it so hard in my dating life because my dating profiles, I can't make it simple. And I don't want to (laughs) sound, I don't want to sound really like obnoxious. So everyone's always like, you need to be more yourself and like, don't hide this part of yourself, don't hide that part of yourself. But there's so many different parts of myself that it's like a big list. Like I'm an educator, an actor, an activist, a drag queen, a martial artist. I've done such, I've done this. And then it's like, well, what is it that I do? (laughs) Who is he? You're biased to say, I am everything. This is redundant, (laughs) but it's like the big quarter of entertainment. Which is like very redundant because Billy Porter also does everything. He is, and he is being Billy Porter. I'm <laughs> yep, that's true. True. Have you guys seen a, you know a little bit of a an offshoot? But have you guys seen what's that movie? Boss, something Boss, where he's it's like Rose Byrne and Tiffany Haddish, and he's like their assistant. Oh, I forget what it's called. It's like Boss something. Um, and Salma Hayek is in it. He has this, he has this awesome moment where like, like spoiler alert, they, uh, they like fire him because they're getting uh, bought by Selma Hayek's company. And she's like, you have to, you have to fire so-and-so and Billy Porter is one of the people they have to fire. And they tell him boss. Is that what it is? Like a boss, like a boss. Yes, yes, yes. They tell him in this restaurant and that moment is like, so funny and so epic because they try to like they tell him and they try to like kind of like backtrack and be like but we love you but it's because of this and this and he's just like this is a witness my tragic moment and he gets up from the table like super dramatic and like eyes them the whole time he's walking outside of the restaurant it is I love I, it. <laughs> if you haven't seen that movie watch that movie just i mean it, it's kind of a it's a fun silly movie I, it's not like it's not like groundbreaking but like for that moment like it's totally worth it um i i i, I request that people watch it just for that moment um so yeah, small little bit of Billy Porter tangent. <laughs> um, but but speaking of epic, awesome, uh, talented uh, people and movies in, in movies and films, this is my segue uh, attempt. Uh, Black Panther <laughs> is what we're talking about today. Um, Donzel, tell us what is your what is your take about Black Panther? What is your relationship with Marvel in general? Um, what what are your thoughts? Oh my gosh, this is great! I sound like I just sat down for a job interview. Um, <laughs> as long as you want to give me that question of like, what is your greatest weakness? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> like, and how did you overdo it? Oh. <laughs> Do I have one of those? No. <laughs> um, okay, so oh gosh, let's talk about my connection, my relationship with Marvel first. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am a huge Marvel fan, but I am very new to the Marvel universe. Okay, okay. I watched. I feel like I, you know, I like to say I dibble and dabbled. I'm not. <laughs> I watched, you know, the, the beginning of the Marvel life, right when Iron Man came out. Like I remember watching that. I remember watching the earlier movie but never really becoming a follower of them. So I never, at some point when it became like the Marvel, the the MCU universe, when that Mm -hmm. happened, I had no idea that it was existing. Okay. And then I watched Avengers Endgame. No, not Endgame. Which one? There's three Avengers, right? 
I think this is why me and Didi are friends. <laughs> as, of now, there's, as of now, there's four. There's, there's Avengers. Four. Yeah, there's Avengers. There's Avengers uh, Age of Ultron. And then there's Infinity War. And that's then the Endgame, which is the second okay. half of Infinity War. Okay, that's the one. So I watched, I never, I watched the first Avengers and never really remembered it. Um, okay. Watched, uh, Never watched the second one. And then at some point, I, like in 2018 or 2019, yeah, I watched Infinity this- War. Mm-hmm. And I Which- remember going to see Black Panther. You know, like I saw Black Panther when it came out and everything. Because like I had, to go, I had to go see it. But I still wasn't like a follower of Marvel. I just like was like, it's Black Panther. I'm going to go see it. <laughs> so I watched Infinity War somewhere along then. And I was like, holy this is good i was like what is i was like crying at the end and i'm like having all these emotional reactions and like what am i witnessing like what is this and i was like what is going on with these stones and this man just comes in and he just oh and and quick and quick and quick sorry to interrupt but like Uh no quincy you have seen infinity war you have not yet I have not. She so she has not. So we're trying to not spoil oh, her. Oh, so no spoiler. On the, on the, oh, we're trying to only geez. watch yeah, them in you order. You said spoiler alert. Oh no, the, alert. Spo- oh, the spoiler alert is for everyone else but me. <laughs> <laughs> we're trying to we're trying to keep okay. Quincy in the dark as much as possible since I mean, we're watching them well. in order. Yeah. Um, but, but nothing you said. Yeah, nothing you said is anything new. Like it's all about people looking for stones. So funny. Yes, yes, well, true. There are I stones. There's this guy. Okay. Yeah. And I just remember um, I was like, wow, this is really great. And one of I teach elementary school theater and one of my parents uh, works with Marvel in a big way, like a legit, <laughs> really big way that I had no idea until <laughs> I like talked to him about it because I was like and I just talked to him about it because I knew of his j- roundabout connection with Marvel. So, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, I just haven't been anymore since weekend. Like, what is this stuff? It's so brilliant. And we had this beautiful conversation about how he was comparing the the power of what's happening with the comic book stories as being comparable to what happened with Greek mythology mm. and how the Greek mythology, they became, you know, these powerful stories that permeated through, you know, generations and the about these beings and our connection with them and their connection with us and, you know, and how really that's what's really happening and why there's, I think that's also part of why there's like this big resistance to Marvel and to you, any comic book stories and people saying, is this real art or are these real movies? I think there's a resistance because they're not understanding that. I agree with that parent that what's happening with Marvel is they really are creating a new dynasty of literature that is becoming timeless. I agree. That is represented, you know, and but I didn't realize that until I saw Infinity Wars. Mm. And that's when I was like, this stuff is legit brilliant and i had never been someone who was like anti-marvel because you know there are anti-marvel anti-comic book people out there like anti and i'm like okay what happened to you to make you like be so resistant (laughs) i just was like it is what it is but after infinity wars i was hooked and that's when i was like i need to go down this universe i need to go down this rabbit hole um so, so then I started 
Did you go back to the movies? I, yes, but then oh, okay. I started watching them in a roundabout way and I just wasn't really able to give full commitment to it until the pandemic hit. And then ah. the pandemic hit and then I was like, Marvel Cinematic Universe phase one. <laughs> or no, I did the timeline order on, you know, like how they have it. I was like, starting with number one, Iron Man. And so I've been going through, since the pandemic, I've been going through watching them in order. Um, and I've, even today I watched Ant Okay. And so that's where I'm at in the, in the timeline order, but in a roundabout way, I've seen all of them except for maybe like two or three, but I just didn't understand the, the story that they were connecting. And until I saw infinity wars, then of course I started to go back and watch them in order. And I've seen Endgame and everything's so like, I, I, I just, the only thing I need to do now is literally just watch them in order okay. um, to see how they complete the story because it's so brilliant what they're doing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is I feel like what's great about these movies is I think the reason why some people are anti-Marvel is because when you you might see a Marvel movie at some point down the line that isn't one of the stronger ones. And you're just like, eh, I don't see the big deal. But once you find one that really like resonates with you, like that can cue you into being like, oh, let me, this is connected to a larger story. So let me go ahead and give the rest of them a try. And when you see them in kind of like that bigger, from that bigger perspective, you can kind of appreciate it more because of all the different connections. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. As well as I think also when you watch a Justice League, not, not a Justice League, when you watch a DC movie and they're just not as well done. And I mean, so I think if you can see an average like Marvel and then you see a DC, and you're like me, you're hopping around, you're like, oh, what's the big talk about all this? But then once you start to see, like you said, you see those really good Marvel ones and you're like, oh, this is the blueprint. Yeah. This is, well, I will and you, say you can't get it. For DC, for a little bit, when Christopher, Christopher Nolan did the Dark Knight trilogy, it looked like DC was like, really pushing ahead. And then, and mm. I don't know what happened. Maybe Kay, you know, but then, then after that, it was like nothing. And then Marvel really picked up steam and then figured its voice and brand out. And then now it feels like for DC, because I love the grit and edginess in DC comics, but it seems like rather than figuring out what they want to do and how they want to do things differently, they're trying to do what Marvel is already doing. Yeah, they they weren't they weren't doing that like mm -hmm. overall universe, the universe at that yeah. point. Um, Marvel definitely kind of attempted to do that uh, first in kind of the cinematic way. They were doing that kind of in the in the TV universe, DC, in terms of like uh, like Arrow, The Flash, um, Supergirl. Those those shows were more were actually being interconnected. Um, but not in the cinematic version. So, so yeah, um, you know, it, it's interesting to hear people's different entry points into it. Cause me, similarly, <laughs> I, I watched the movies. I, I remember seeing Iron Man in the theaters, but I, I didn't really pick up on it. The, the MCU of it all until the first Avengers. When I saw the first mm. Avengers, I was like, Oh, I'm in. <laughs> Cause I, I really like 
like the team ups. Um, but, but not to not to dissuade us from a Marvel bigger Marvel conversation. But this is the Black Panther episode. Mm-hmm. So what? Yes. So I and I know you guys. You actually didn't you go to the Hollywood Bowl Black Panther? Oh, I went. Dee uh, Dee was not available, but she we didn't did. tell me until after. Uh, and then, but we did go to the premiere together, or not the premiere when it opened. We went together. It was a whole. Yeah. Oh, when fun. in the originally the theaters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, great, great. So, mm-hmm. so what's your what's your take on Black Panther? So yes, yeah, so Black Panther. My take on Black Panther. Um, it's it's hard because Black Panther had so much to accomplish, and it did. And it, it's hard to contextualize, and it's hard to say into words what it means to me and what it means i think most people of color especially african americans because we grow up in a society where we are given so many white heroes and faces that just do not look like us that are and 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 they go back for generations and they are in all these different mediums these heroes never really look like us and oftentimes the characters that do look like us are secondary or tertiary characters or the villainous characters or somehow they're the characters of a degenerate degenerate stance oftentimes as well and so what happens is you're being pushed this narrative while at the same time you're being pushed that narrative you know it's not true and you're growing up in a different way with your own heroes and your own stories and your own black Hollywood movies and films and TV shows and so it's this, this split duality right there's this half of you knows that this pushed force narrative is not real and then the other half of you has actual icons that you can look up to but they're not given the same limelight as the others you know i mean take for example you have freaking angela bassett and black panther like that alone Mm. meant so much to us because angela bassett is just as good as someone as, as Meryl Streep. She's just as good. She's just as iconic. She's yes. just as legendary. But some people just found out about her through Black yeah. Panther, where mm-hmm. she plays the mother, which it's a great role, but it's not an Angela Bassett role where it's like Angela Bassett can carry a movie. You know, it's you like would eat that shit up. You would eat that shit up. Like, of course, it's a huge role because it's you know it's Angela Bassett. The fact that it's a, it's the fact that it's Angela Bassett is what makes it a huge role. But if you think about it, the mother of uh, of T'Challa could have been anyone. That role could have gone to anyone. So it's like even in that situation, you're like y'all missed out. Like we're honored to have like queen mother. Like she legit is queen mother in so many ways, but y'all need to understand queen mother has been around for years and is fierce. Right. And the larger community just has been snoozing on her. Yeah. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and I will, I will say like, you know, I've seen this movie probably three, not as many as some of like, the my favorite Marvel movies are like the team up movies. So like, you know, Avengers, Guardians of the Galaxy, Civil War, like the, the kind of bigger ones. So I've only seen this one probably like, you know, four or five times. Um, and, but I will say from the jump, you're just like, man, this cast is so stacked, you know, yeah. just every yeah. single person in front of the camera. You're just like, oh, my gosh, just such, you know, you're there's like a plethora of riches 
just from moment one, like Sterling mm-hmm. K. Brown first, mm-hmm. you know, that first mm-hmm. scene in the movie. I mean, I, he makes me, he makes me cry and this is us all the time. So I don't know if that was just like a natural <laughs> reaction. You're like, he's on screen. I'm going to cry. But like for him to. And that's the thing though. Yeah. Like you said, a plethora of riches. Like mm-hmm. that's the best way to describe. I feel like Black Panther for me is because it delivered on everything mm-hmm. and it delivered on everything exceptionally well mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. was culturally rich with yep. our culture both in our entertainment culture like you said like certainly Kate brown angela bassett forrest whitaker lupita nyungo chadwick boseman i mean like the list goes on yep and and, and the and the legends that it has started to birth from that the newcomers you know who winston duke who was the jabari leader yeah. now look at his career right like and also launched careers. You had Michael mm-hmm. B. Jordan. Like, so you had that culturally, you know, diverse, uh, rich, but then also you had the cultural history in there and you had <clears throat> the mythology, the African, you know, the mythology going on and you had uh, the wardrobe stylist going back and pulling out African um, images and bringing that into the wardrobes and costume and making it rich. And even the music, that moment when they're like on the boat and the drums are playing, even in those subtleties of like bringing in the drums and what the drums meant to us and what they still mean to us right Mm -hmm. and you have uh the story of um also the the inner city and and he the kids not having someone to look up to and then you have the beautiful moment at the end where you know the little boy is talking to Chadwick Boseman and like you see in his eyes the same thing that we all saw which is like wow we finally have someone to look up to yeah, we yeah. finally have our hero. We mm. finally have our Captain America, our Superman. Yeah. You know, and yeah. then uh, a like I uh, for me like a, a a king of a king of men, a king of superheroes. Like it, I, I remember seeing like after the movie came out, like um, people they did this thing on like Jimmy Fallon where like um, people would stay, they had like fans stand in front of like a picture of Chadwick Boseman and like talk oh, to the picture that. about, yeah, what Black Panther meant to him. And then like, and then he would come out like after they were like done talking and they would like freak out and be like, Oh my God, surprise. I remember one of the King, like straight one of the, one of the fans straight would was like doing the Wakanda symbol and be like, my King, my King, like guys <laughs> straight, like, you know, when you think about creating like what Marvel does, creating a mythology, creating kind of like its own, um, you know, myths and kind of like canon that people can believe in, like they pretty much created like a dynasty and like a monarchy that, you know, people of color were just like, here's, you know, you know, screw King of England, King and Queen of Wakanda. Like that's who that's, you know, that's the royalty that I will be following stories about, you know, through, you know, through the, through the line and through and through culture. Um, And the beauty of that is like, it was mythology based in fact, mm. where there were many African dynasties and they are often not talked about in history because we paint it, especially in the Western hemisphere, we've painted this savage image of Africa or this poor image. We've, we've created that narrative when that narrative is not true today. And that narrative was never true. Mm. And <clears throat> that's also one of the things that I loved. It's like, I remember in school when we would talk about the ancient, the the historic civilizations of Africa and the rich 
you know, kingdoms that were there, how did we get glossed over? Mm. And mm. so then like in the, this movie, when they're telling the story of Wakanda, I literally flash back to being in school and being like, wow, how nice would it have been to like really have a full painted picture like this is being painted. And this is being painted in fiction, but it's still based off of inspired by the realities of what did exist in Africa yeah. and what still does continue to exist. That's why when so many colonizers went to the continent mm. and took and took and took and took not only the riches and the fortunes, but also eventually the bodies, <clears throat> right? <clears throat> and so... And that's one of the things that I loved about how the movie also had the subtleties of social, social justice. So in that movie, in the first part of the movie, when um, like Killmonger is in the museum, yeah, oh, what a powerful scene. So first powerful. of all, you have, it's so multi-layered. First of all, you have them mentioning, um, I remember when I did my ancestor DNA, I was like, I wonder where I'm from, right? And one of the places was Benin or Benign. I know it's pronounced differently. I don't know the correct way to pronounce it. So don't <laughs> come at me, y'all. Um, I hear both. Um, but you know, it's Benin or Benign. And I remember being like, what is that? I never heard of that African country. Like, wait a minute. Like I had to Google it. And then come to find, I had to Google like, oh, this is, a real place is a legit place that's exit, you know. And then in the movie, when he brings up that the artifacts were from the benign or benign, you know, era, and I like heard that word, I was like, wait a minute, that's that's my like bloodline. Like, oh my gosh, that's that's where I'm like part of where I'm from. That's the majority of like my bloodline is wow. like 50% from there, right? But I love how in the movie, that's again, like how many people I wonder walked out of there not even realizing that that's a real place. That was a real place. Yeah, They just wow. thought it, I, I wonder how many people thought about this and was like, oh, well, they're just making this up. But like the truth is, it's like, no, artifacts were stolen from Africa. And one of those countries was Benin or Benign where they stole a lot of slaves. Like that's a bit a huge part of the beginning of the slavery happened in that area. <clears throat> yeah. And, and it's also why I love they mentioned that country because it was it, it, because of its connection to slavery like that. And the realities of how much was stolen that created this unfortunate disparity. And they mentioned that in the movie when Killmonger says, we there are people that look like us all across the world yes and there's one reason why there's so many of us all across the world like that mm. and it's not because most of us decided to go out and explore right but not only are most of us like this all of us that look like this all across the world but most of us that look like us all across the world are hurting because we've been put at such a disadvantage and cut off from our roots and cut off from our ancestry. And not only cut off from it, but had it retrained and oftentimes beat out of us. Yep. Just, and so, yeah, mm -hmm. just ourselves, not only ourselves removed and taken, but that part of ourselves removed from us, you know, mm -hmm. not only us, exactly. our, ourselves physically removed, our but religion, us emotionally, our, spiritually. Yeah. Exactly. Like taken from us. And it's, and, and then you're in this museum, <clears throat> the, you know, where this white woman is curator 
and educating him, (laughs) educating him. But not only is she curator of this exhibit, but like she's educating him when, first of all, like, where is the black curator? Mm. Yeah. Like that was scene was so intentionally done because how often across the world is that the reality that when you go into these museums and you walk in and unless it's an African-American history museum, if there's, there's oftentimes the curators are all white and the docents are all white. And then they lead you through these various segments of the museum that have many different segments of color from many different civilizations. And they're telling the black and brown folks about their history and knowingly also whatever they're telling is what they've decided is worthy to be shared. Yes. And many times they are getting it wrong. Like that woman got it wrong and Al Killmonger had to like correct her on it. Yes. Listen, I'm thinking about how I had one class in high school and it was called Eastern studies and it was taught by a white woman. And yeah, it was just, it was great. Yeah, it's <laughs> it interesting. Great. But it's the, what I, I like about that movie is like that movie is more than entertainment, right? Like that movie was activism at the same time. And yes. it was attack, uh, it was making a comment on that exa- that existence of uh, the, the, the problem of education with there not being <clears throat> enough cultural diversity in education that is one, being taught by instructors of color. We need more instructors of color. And we're talking about all the different types of education. Like it may have been in college, like Quincy's college class. It may be a docent at a museum. It may be an elementary school teacher. Where are the teachers of color? Yeah. And then also these stories, who's choosing what is and is not added into the history books. Yeah. And who and who did gets to decide what the curriculum is, basically. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. that and in that movie, that one segment is like five minutes. And me, I'm just like, oh, that's right. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like it unloads so much while at the same time it's doing so much. It's educating, it's inspiring, it's advocating. Yeah. And then it's also meanwhile setting up his character and the story for what's to come. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, you know, and entertaining, you know, uh, exactly. And doing it and in entertaining like, it in an exceptionally well way. Yeah. And in a powerful, inspiring way versus, you know, kind of the more, you know, uh, kind of like darker ways in which like, historic like people of color's histories are covered which is like it's all about the trauma and all that stuff deficit framing uh from my job deficit framing is when you like call something or someone or a country like poor like oh and then then forever the way you see it is just poor because you've framed it in a deficit versus i forget what the other the opposite is but if you do it the opposite way it now leaves so much more potential for the imagination to the possibility of what this thing person or country can be interesting interesting well and and i think they obviously create that image with wakanda them having you know vibranium and the technology and the ability just to be this really you know futuristic advanced society um though hidden um and you know and and to me the this movie, you know, stands out for so many ways, but I feel like 
it it's the first movie in the MCU and we're, you know, we're, we're in the middle of, of phase three where it's really about something. It's about uh, society and it's reflective of, you know, um, kind of like how people see themselves and how society mm-hmm. sees themselves. Whereas, you know, most of, of the other movies, they're reflections of different types of characters that are kind of archetypes that you've kind of seen, you know, throughout, you know, throughout culture, throughout mythology, throughout pop history. But this, I feel like this one specifically was like, we are speaking to you now where you are at. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're applying this superhero story um, to kind of your, your experience. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and like I said, just, a, a plethora of riches in terms of the talent, um, you know, all headed by well, we Chadwick Boseman. The, we can leave out the power of women in that movie as oh, well. I mean, like, the door awesome I, I mean, like, I, come on. I, when I yeah. came out of that movie and I felt like a kid, coming out of a movie where, you know, when kids, I remember when one of the first Spider-Man came out, I saw it in the theaters and with um, like people uh, who I was, it was, I think I was in college and one of the guys like who was a big, you know, kind of geek, but he like came out of the movie all excited acting like Superman and going like pew, 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 pew. Like, like he was a kid again. When I came out of Black Panther, I was like, I am a dorm. I was like a kid. Like I am a dorm Like I have my spear. I'm like, ha, ha, yes. ha, ha. like it was so just to see women of color being so yes. strong was so And they awesome. were his equal. Yes. That, I mean, at that they, they never, even in that situation where even, you know, the general, when she says, has that, that moment with Lupita Nyong'o and she's, you know, they're arguing and she says that my loyalty is to the crown. Yeah. To right? the throne. Yes. To the throne. And, but, but, even in that moment and even in the moment with Lupita Nyong'o at the end where she's like, she wants to serve her country and, you know, he's flirted with her and he's like, well, I mean, why don't you stay? And I know another way. Like, I was like, okay, all right, King, you, you got me. Um, also, uh, but, you know, but even in those moments with both those women, it was their choice. They're, they never in that moment were they saying that they were lesser than they were choosing to take those secondary roles because they knew that they were the best in that position to make the country the best that it could be, which in essence means that they knew that they were their, his equal. And he treated them as their, his equal. He looked at them as their equal. And the history of all the kings before him treated them and looked at them as their equal, knowing that we are not successful without them yes yep and and i mean mm-hmm. even in the first scene it was just like you know lupita nyong'o's character nakia you know she she's mad at him she's like you've ruined my mission this was my thing and here you come in trying to find mm-hmm. me um and the fact that she has taken her uh, you know, taking taking her power and taking what she wants to do and kind of wants to make a difference in the world is going out and doing that. Um, I thought that was that was so different compared to kind of like the female characters you've seen before that. Um, and 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 just you know to lead off of that, uh, Letitia Wright as Shuri, pretty much my my had some of the best lines okay. for Funny. me. One of my favorite. 
Yeah. Nailed it. Yes. One of my yes. favorite scenes in this movie, even though it's like not one of the big epic emotional, but the scene in her lab where he comes back for the for the first time. The... Yeah. Yeah. Where he kicks the kicks the yes, suit. Same. And she's like, What are you doing? <laughs> and Tell then she's like, Okay, hit it awesome. again and I'm gonna record. <laughs> and he was yes. like, What are you doing? Like that I mean, and just and also just a different a different take on like the powerful woman, mm-hmm. you know, she's powered cause she's a genius. She's, she's pretty much mm-hmm. smarter than like Tony Stark and, you know, Mark, uh, Bruce Banner combined. And she does it with this, you know, fun, like mm-hmm. kind of like sarcastic, playful attitude. And yeah. So, you know, another, mm-hmm. just another facet of that kind of like strong female character um, that we haven't seen before. Yeah. Um, I think that's, the challenge and the cross that we bear as artists of color, Mm. right? Where I love this movie and it's very, I think you would be very surprised to find many people who don't love it. I feel like, and I feel like mostly everyone who watched it also loved it, but that the cross that we bear as artists of color is that how many other Marvel movies and you hinted on this a little bit okay how many other marvel movies had to do so much so in so many different layers and do it so well and so it's like not because this was our shot like when you you uh, let's take it to hamilton i'm not throwing away my shot like the entire you know community of artists of color who were engaged in this script, in this movie, from behind the camera to in front of the camera, everyone knew that this was their shot. This was our collective shot. And we had to go in there and we had to go in there and break that glass ceiling so that way it shattered completely. And it did. And it's like you, Hollywood can never revert back. And Mm -hmm. if they do revert back, they're in some big trouble, but they can't revert back because we shattered the glass ceiling with this movie. It was more than just a good movie. And how many others had to be more than just a good movie? Right. I mean, we've seen (laughs) Quincy knows we've seen a bunch of the Marvel movies and there were some that were just like, "Uh, okay, yeah, uh, yeah, Mm -hmm. we we get this. We get it. We get the character. We got it. But, you know, you know why this one, this one. okay, yeah. I mean, it's all Mm -hmm. connected. But yeah, to have. To have it was like this excellent one. on all fronts, and yeah. like you said, Didi, like not we're not afforded the same privilege as having like a first meh movie yeah, or it, a draggy mm-hmm. a, a movie that drags mm-hmm. and like it, it, everything has exactly. to be a full meal. Um, but I think that just yeah. makes us better as artists of color because we're at yeah. a higher standard. definitely which is why i want to make a quick shout out i know it's not time yet but that's why people need to go see shang chi because watching it i was like yes another one where it is shattering the glass ceiling yeah we saw it together so many different fronts so many different fronts it went so exceptionally well and so rich in so many different layers as well i was like "Mm." 
artists of color are doing it. So Woo. now give us oh. 10 more. <laughs> ten exactly. More. Right? Yeah. Don't let this be the only one. Exactly. 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 Um, give us give us so many that by the 20th one, we're just like, that one was okay. And then it's fine. And then they, they still can give us more, you know, allow us the, the privilege to have an a okay one. Mediocre. <laughs> a yeah. mediocre. You're right. But that's, yeah. Yeah. But um, fact, I, don't get me started on that. The, the myth <laughs> of like the, the narrative of, of the excellence factor within communities of color. Mm-hmm. I think that that, the excellence factor is oftentimes a direct example and influence of white supremacy and American white supremacy with its patriarchy. Yeah. Because this idea that we have to be three times as good or two times as good in order to succeed was and is unfortunately true. But what that has done is it's also created this disparity now saying that if you are not of this excellence and of this caliber, then you're not to be seen and recognized. Yeah, We're you're only not. going to see and recognize Black excellence. Mm. Then that comes down to the idea of like, well, what determines Black excellence? And, and is Black excellence, that? who determines that? And is my Black excellence being determined because I'm succeeding in a white world or because I'm succeeding in challenging the white world? which both ways is basically whiteness controlling the narrative yep. of what black excellence looks like. And then it goes black back excellence to, has to be determined within our community. Yes. And then it goes into, if you think about it, like then if there is an idea of black excellence and that's like defined to be one kind of way, if you don't fit that mold, it's a, another way to gatekeep to gatekeep. black artists, yeah. artists of color who don't fit that. Yeah. Right. Like so it, we have our, Black Ivy League schools, you know, we have our Morehouse, we have our Spelman, we have our Howard University, but are you saying that if you went to another Black university that was not of that quote-unquote Ivy League level, does it not count? Yeah. Are you not of that excellence? Yeah, and but I and I've, yeah. people want to recognize that, right? Like people want to recognize, like Kamala, our VP, came from Howard, which I love. Like, and I have a lot of friends who came from Howard. But uh, how many people know about the other black universities and colleges that are not at Howard's level? But because we now got our VP, now we're hearing about the words, right? So it's just it's very interesting, is what I'm saying. Like I definitely think that you know we all deserve the right to be our average mediocre self. and still succeed yeah we we deserve to be enough i think we deserve to be enough yeah and and the fact that the the idea of excellence and the idea of having to be like i remember being told like 110 percent like not just 100 percent, 110 which you know is mathematically wrong um especially right (laughs) 
that's not that doesn't exist that doesn't yeah doesn't that, exist on a and scale of zero to 100 110 percent right? is wrong yeah it's, it's unbalanced and you know and that's mind... like um i was gonna say like the mind bucket does to you when you're at 103 percent even though it's not mathematically <laughs> wrong right say you're at 103 but then you're like shit i'm not 110 yeah. i'm yeah. just not good enough like you yep. could be 97 percent good better than but because you've been told and I remember being told that, right? Like you gotta be hundred, do 110 better. So then it's just like, okay, so I didn't do 110, but if someone were to like actually look at what I did, they'd be like, oh, but you did 98. Yeah, like, but that's still very oh, strong. That's not. That's yeah, not exactly. That's, and I'm it also creates this like factor. unfair competition I'm, within mm-hmm. the co- people of color community uh, communities like because one spot exactly, mm-hmm. exactly because it's just like okay, we all know that we have to be a hundred and ten percent comparative to them, which means there's only one of us who can allowed to be that within ourselves. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's this like weird kind of like cycle but at the same time you're Mm -hmm. just like you feel like the need to kind of like celebrate it as much as the excellence Mm -hmm. as much as possible just so it can just be like get Mm -hmm. it out there make sure it's still you know a scene and we have the shine and we are visible you know which to tie it back to black panther because it's the black panther episode yes that's one of the, the thing that they did well in this movie is all of the blackness of all levels was celebrated Mm -hmm. none of them were put down and put over top of each other and they all were celebrated they all were given its full glory and it was shown in everything that it was all enough yeah and there were so many wonderful characters right like everyone in their job was doing a great job there wasn't like we just only have this king who's really good everyone in their job and all of the various different tribes were all equally good saying, but we're just choosing to make him king. Mm -hmm. And no one was wrong too, either. Like everyone had their differences, but no one was, no one was better than or less than or wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And no one like, you know, in previous movies, no one had that kind of like one dimensional mindset of just like, I want to conquer, you know, this is, this is because of my pure ego. I want to possess and conquer and, 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 and win, you know, everyone had Mm a, a a justification and a, uh, a relatable reason behind, you know, their, 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 their commitments and their, their mission. Um, and, you know, like, for example, you know, you had M'Baku, Winston Duke's character, who even in his, you know, he would in the beginning, they're set up as kind of like the the outsider tribe. By the end, he comes back and they have their whole reasoning of just like I remember that great line of just like no one's come here for, uh, you know, some hundreds of years to our village and uh now you come speaking of us like stuff like that where you're just like yes that's their perspective and you know so many of the characters had their own philosophies that they played off of each other which you know they've done it in other marvel movies where the villain is kind of like even as strong as uh the lead and i definitely feel like killmonger michael b jordan's killmonger does that um with his justification of you know him wanting to just you know liberate his his brothers and sisters across the world um with wakanda technology 
uh, I wonder, do you think, that, oh man, I wish I had been at that table read. You know, that table read was fucking epic. And I yeah. wonder if there's footage of it on the mm. internet somewhere. I'm pretty sure there is. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure that that table read, before they got read, was like an hour of everyone loving on each other. Yeah. Because uh-huh. there was yeah. so many different, so much. It was just so so rich with so much history of, well, of so like, many generations have, yes. coming together to make you have this the people film. the the younger people who looked up to the older actors mm-hmm. who they've watched growing up and then you have the older people seeing the y- younger people coming up on their come up in a huge big way and then you have like mm-hmm. not the newbies but the people who are like less known who are then being brought into the fold by the people who have bigger names oh. Yeah. And you definitely got that feel of like everyone knew this was a, a, a mission that they would have to dedicate themselves to. And they were all yeah. on board with yeah. what they were doing because they knew how everyone they they knew how special it was because they literally were looking or probably looking around and be like, it's never like this. You know, it's like that Black Lady mm-hmm. sketch show uh, sketch. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. Where it's like Black Lady mm-hmm. courtroom. And they're all just like mm-hmm. they're all uh, black ladies in a courtroom. And they're, as they're walking in and seeing that they're all black ladies, they're like, Hey, hey, oh, hey, hey, girl, how's it going? Like, they're all happy about it. So, <laughs> like, it's the summer like this. Um, so, yeah, so I, 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 I agree. Marvel released the table read cut. Like this, you know, <laughs> if they can release, if a Please. studio can release the the five, 10 hour Snyder cut, they can release cut. the Black Panther uh, oh, table read, read cut. Um, <laughs> just uh, some final things to mention. Uh, you have your classic Stan Lee cameo in the casino mm-hmm. um, where he takes the, um, uh, the chips. And then, you know, uh, some fun after credits with, you know, uh, Black Panther going into United Nations and being like, we're opening ourselves up and then being like, well, what's that? You know, what are you really gonna be able to do for us? And them just smiling. I was just like, oh, so sweet. Um, and then at the end, you have uh, Shuri uh, helping out Bucky, uh, who has been in Wakanda this whole time. Um, and, you know, kind of setting up the next movie where they all come together, which is going to be Infinity War, which came out right after uh, Black Panther. Um, so, yeah. So it, any other final thoughts on Black Panther before we transition to our next segment? just that you know ryan coogler let me cast me in part two <laughs> yes I mean, yes yes if you want the uh award-winning donzel <laughs> lewis who is everything martial artist yes in black panther two <laughs> or three or four or oh. as as many as uh we can get in there Get them in there. Um, so, yeah. So that brings us to the end of our Marvel portion. Let's go ahead and transition into our stretch and share. Um, I believe. Do you remember? Ooh, I have a stretch. Okay, great. Quincy has more like, a stretch. Not, 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 more, not like an exact not an exact stretch, but it's more like um, assimilation. Let's give okay. ourselves our. No one told me about that. Oh, we do a stretch and share between segments oh. where we okay. take a little break. We're gonna just give our scalps a nice head massage. Okay. And Dee Dee, okay. do you want to do lead a share? Do you have a share? Or do you need some time uh, to think of a share? I need some time. This was okay. not in the email. <laughs> I got oh, I didn't on the spot. I, I should have, I didn't send the initial email, so oh, it's no, usually no. in mine. Um, I can share though. Oh I, my God, look at my hair. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm oh not doing mine too deep because mine has moose in it. Um, I bought a new couch. We've been oh, as well. I've been ready to buy a new couch. Where from? Where from? Uh, living spaces. It was pretty. I was just looking at living spaces too. Yeah, yeah. It was on the it was on the cheaper side. It was actually like an outlet couch, but our old one was getting super uncomfortable to the point where like the yeah. springs were like jutting like jutting into our butts, and like I couldn't sit on it for more than like an hour at a time. So we did get a new one, and it was. It's good. It's 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 soft, but and firm, but not too firm. Um, I will say, though, I think it's setting off my allergies because like, you know, it comes in the wrapped in the big plastic and the cardboard and you kind of have to like unwrap it and stuff like that. And, you know, it had kind of the like, you know, the warehouse type smell. Um, but it's kind of been still we've had it only for like three days and it still kind of smells. And I realized that like I've been using it, but then when I would come into the be- bedroom, like my head would kind of like lighten a little bit, like, 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 like it would, it would ease a little bit. So I think the, like at the warehouse smell of the, of the smell that's coming off of the, the, the dust. The, yeah. Well, the dust is probably like the being wrapped in plastic <laughs> smell uh, is maybe setting off my allergies a little bit. So I need to give it some time before I totally kind of st- dig into it and like, sit on yeah. it for hours on end. Um, but yeah, so that's my share. Uh, I love that. Donzel or Quincy, your shares? I have a share. My share oh, go ahead, dude. Go. No, you go. I bought an air fryer. Um, <laughs> oh. That's my share. Oh my gosh. The hype is real. If you don't have an air fryer in your life, you are genuinely missing out. I resisted since the air fryer craze. I'm at the end of the air fryer, like fad, where like basically everyone has one now. Um, and I see why. I Wait, totally So see what why. have you put in it? What's your what's your best? Oh, my gosh. Um, oh, I don't know. My best thing is going to yet. It's so new. I'm still experimenting. But so far I have baked uh, or I had uh, I cooked a steak in it. Oh, and wow. it's so great because oh, I, yes, you can. Like and from raw? It just, yeah. Wow. And got it medium well, like I like it. Yeah. Um, oh. Which is, I, you know, I do really well. I do love to cook my steak on a cast iron uh, skillet. And, and I do love that. But the challenge with that is like, you know, it's just, it's such a heavy process, right? And the, the smell and the oil and the butter. And, you know, I love all of that. But your house smells like steak or my apartment, because especially as a smaller apartment. So you have the steak smell permeating for, you know, so many hours afterward. So cooking in the air fryer, though, like I just don't have that smell. And it also is just so much quicker. And I could just like literally set it and forget it. Right. Like set the timer, walk away, come back, flip it then continue it or, you know, keep cooking your other stuff. But yeah, I've cooked steak in it and chicken in it, um, like mm-hmm. little chicken wings in it. Um, bratwurst the other day. Today I used it to make my bacon while I was big, making pancakes. Um, I've done my veggies in it, you know, my broccoli, my Brussels sprouts, my carrots, like, oh, don't get me started. And I'm just a baby. I'm a <laughs> All right. The air fire hype is real. I, I heard mm-hmm. I heard that I have an Instapot and I don't use that much, but I heard it can be used as an air fryer. Yes, so at some point I might attempt that. It's just, yo, know, it's really dirty because I've been using it in a while, but 
we'll we'll try to get around it. That's great. Point. I for the tray in the I don't know if the Instapot has a tray, but for air fryers, you know how it has the tray. I wrap that in foil. Oh, okay. So you you can just use it a little longer, and you can keep the tray clean. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah you kind of like yeah. it has like candles and i think it, you put it in it was like like a, so it's like a basket oh, no, it's it's like a it's like a, a the thing is a basket it pops out like a container and then on the bottom it, it's like a removable flat portion so oh you're talking you're about cooking, the air fryer or the yeah yeah yeah, oh, okay. yeah yeah so i'm not i don't know if instapot has it but for the air fryer in case you're cooking something with oil it has like a little drip pan mm. you can use the drip pan i always cover the drip pan with foil oh tip so, oh yeah cleaning tip so it doesn't crud up the tray Cool, cool. What's your share, Quincy? I started Squid Game on Netflix. Uh, it's a Korean dark comedy from Netflix Korea. Um, and it is very dark, but very funny and very entertaining. Oh, and it's cool. very bingeable. They've written it to be incredibly bingeable. I watched the first two episodes and then sat like thought about it the whole night <laughs> it's very they they make it for you to sit and like binge the whole thing and it's great because yeah what's the premise the premise is it's so good oh um the premise is there's this he's essentially a gambler so he he, he he's a korean dad like just a loser a gambler dude who doesn't have any good money sense and he pretty much gets the offer of a lifetime where if he can play a game this game for six days uh and survive you can win like 46.1 billion dollars the catch is you're playing those games with other gamblers right who are also equally in debt slash there is a um kill component to it so oh yeah so you you don't know what it is it's kind of like um i guess uh hunger games but like with people who are not heroic and like the worst (laughs) kind of people competing for money um and it's very dark and it's very funny and it's like uh the games they play are children's games so you have like full run and then the consequences if you don't finish you can get killed all right all right good good uh would recommend Good recommend. Well, that brings us to the end of our stretch and share. So now we're going to transition into the makeup portion um, of the podcast. And today we are talking about exfoliating. Yes. And in addition to the many things he already does, Donzel also is a skincare guru. Yay. Back in the day, he worked at can I tell them? Oh, of course. Again, yeah. people are going to be like, what does this man do? Everything. everything. Hire him. He does Hire everything. Him. He's so talented, multi-talented, multifaceted. Um, he also Ooh. used to work at Sephora, so he knows about skincare. Okay. Okay. And so well, and, and so the thing is, I lately I've been coming in with like looks, like with a full face look to kind of evaluate mm. what I've learned. But today I have no makeup on since we're talking about skincare and I tend to have, I have a lot of spots. Um, so I am, I am all in, in on figuring out a regimen for myself and learning about exfoliating because I feels I need it. E, if you can see. 
we all need it. All but that's it. the thing. It's like we all need it. And I love skincare. Skincare is one of my favorite things, Same. especially when you like tie it into self-care. Right. Mm. And I, re- I realized like I fell off of my skincare regime when I fell off of my self-care regime. When I stopped paying attention to myself and started like focusing on so many other things, because unfortunately, that's the dark side of being someone who does so much is you get caught up in the busy factor, busy, busy, busy. And then sometimes you just neglect yourself. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then uh, once I got back into it and realized like, oh my gosh, like I forgot how therapeutic this is and how peaceful and just like beautiful this is to me and my soul. Yes, it's given me benefits of helping my skin be healthier and look healthier, but ultimately it's doing so much more for just my inner like peace and oh. Yeah, I Ooh. love me a skincare. It's also nice to see, energy. like with skincare too, you can see like results in a, a few days or a week if you just mm-hmm. up it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I like mm-hmm. all of that. So yeah. let's let's dig in. Um, yeah. Oh like, my god! We want to talk about specifically exfoliating first. Yes. Um, okay. Feel free to give me the all the contacts. Like okay. How, you want to why? Go I like how, the, the textbooky ooh. stuff. Written. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we can just jump in and out. Like okay. we can tag team this. Um, great, great, great. You're you're absolutely right. What you say, okay, which is like you have to find the skincare regime for yourself, right? Mm. So that's the first thing you have to understand is everyone has to understand that they have to have their skincare routine. It's just like a diet. It's just like working out. You can't always feel like if I'm chasing the fat or chasing what's happening on Instagram and because this person's using needs products, their skin looks like that. But that's going to work for me. Or this person's washing with this skin uh, face wash. It doesn't always work like that. Just like if Quincy is on the keto diet, then I'm like, oh, let me do keto. And then it doesn't work for me, but maybe I do better on, you know, the Mediterranean. Figure out what's good, what works for you. You have to figure out what works for you. <clears throat> which is a trial and error process as mm. is life, right? You try something, it works, it doesn't work. So yes, figure out what works for you. What you need to do is you have to figure out what your skin type is. Are you oily? Are you dry? Or are you combination? Are you a combination skin of oily and, or and dry? Sensitive. Right? Mm. Uh, and you're okay. sensitive. Yes, because that's going to affect the products that you buy and the products that you use. If you're sensitive, you're going to want to go with hypoallergenic products. You want to go with like, you know, products, uh, products that are using no allergens and perfumes. A good brand for that is Clinique. Clinique is actually great for sensitive skin because they don't put in uh, extra stuff in their products and they use to create products so that way all skin types can find a product for them to use. <clears throat> I generally though, I don't know what your thoughts are on this DD, but like I generally have been more interested in just doing sensitive skincare across the board. I think my skin can actually handle a lot compared to a few girlfriends. Like uh, some friends I know, like they try something new skin is, has an immediate flare up. Um, but I feel like just being gentle on our skin, especially because we're young, like uh, my facialist talks about like some of the harsher treatments we don't need to do because the harsher treatments are for people with like acne heavy skin or older skin where like the epidural is like not as thin. 
So I agree. I was, and that's how I was taught in regards to, you know, look at skincare, like let's compare it to the Marvel universe, right? Phase one, phase two, phase three. Phase one is your younger skin where your younger skin, you are, you have to be really protective of it because your younger skin is still developing. You are still developing. That's why so many people who have acne can get on a product and it ruin their skin actually, because mm-hmm. it's too harsh for their product. Mm-hmm. And yet their skin is so young and so it's the skin- still over will like overreact to exactly Mm. and and so and that's not just always teenagers that can sometimes be someone in their 20s because their 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 skin they haven't really developed a routine for it yet so when you're in a younger phase you don't have to put in all these heavy tech uh, heavy creams and heavy products because your skin just doesn't need it yeah. And it's, mm. it's, it's, it's too much for your skin. And actually, then you have like your face, a heavy cream and it was actually causing more, um, spots breakouts. and like, yeah, and breakouts spots. and yeah. blackheads because my skin didn't need it. So the, 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 the cream would just kind of sit on my face and then clog pores. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And, um, you and have so it's like three. someone who's, yeah, and someone who's younger, do they need to be on La Mer? No, they don't need to be on the La Mer face cream. Like, why are you buying that expensive face cream, that heavy face cream? You just go get the good old Clinique. Like, you'll be all right. You're like 21. You don't need to be using something like La Mer. Yeah. Not yet. Uh, and then you have your phase two, which is like uh, somewhere around my age, where it's like, okay, now I do got to start getting a little bit more detailed about my skincare. I got to do more than just wash my face, put a lotion on it, some sunblock and exfoliate a couple of times a week. Like I got to get targeted serums. I got to make sure I'm using the right eye cream. I got to start noticing that my skin is changing into a maturing skin. So now I'm going to start having areas that I want to target, whether it's my expression lines or my, you know, the, the creases that come from just years of smiling, right? Like now I have to start to target that. Um, Then you have your phase three, which is your older, your elderly. So you have to put heavier products on just because in life at that age in general, you're going to have to do a lot more, right? At some point, I'm going to have to be drinking an inshore. I don't need to be drinking an inshore right now, though. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that's, that's, and look at skincare like that. Like, Someone who's, you know, 21, just grabbing Ensure versus like a muscle milk. Like, what are you drinking the Ensure for? Unless you really, really need to, because everyone's body is different. And someone's doctor may have said you need to be on Ensure. But <laughs> you would look at someone who was like, you know, 21, walking down the street drinking Ensure, like, uh, are you not getting all your nutrients, right? Probably so, not, though. <laughs> Maybe I should have drank some insurance in my 20s. Uh, But um, so you definitely, those are, I think, like skincare basics, right? Like those are things you want to know no matter what product you're looking for, what is your skin type? And then you start to figure out like, okay, now I know my skin type. Now let's look at the product. So today we're looking at exfoliators, not face lotions or eye creams, all Mm -hmm. those other things. We're looking at exfoliators and the purpose of them. So the exfoliator, oh, go ahead. Which really quick, just if you don't know, it's just for audience or people who don't know, it's just, it's a process where you remove and slough off your dead skin cells that so, and then your dead skin cells are the reasons why you have, you may have clogged up, clogged pores, blackheads, spots. And if you exfoliate and get rid of the dead skin cells, it also allows toners and serums to penetrate your skin. Okay. And those are, those are the, the, the vitamins, the medicine for your skin, right? That's what you would look at serums for. So you have a specific issue, 
there's a serum for that. You said you have spots that you want to get rid of. Mm-hmm. There are serums that will target that. Yes, there are face lotions that will help there be, you know, combined face lotions, like a brightening face lotion or something like that. But specifically, whenever you're feeling like I have this one specific issue, <clears throat> I'm pretty sure there's a serum that will target that, okay. whether it be anti-aging, whether it be dark spot removal, whether it be um, helping with hydration. If you're really dry, you want to find your serums because your serums are like taking your vitamins for your skin issue right Mm. with your exfoliator like Quincy said that's one of the biggest those really are the two biggest things like one it makes it so that when you put on your vitamins it's getting all of it or much more of it than it did if you didn't exfoliate it's kind of like if you had dirty laundry on your floors and you're trying to like swiffer your floor right like Mm -hmm. the dirty laundry is going to get in the way but if you pick up and remove all the dirty laundry and then you have a clean you have an open floor space you can now swiffer okay Mm -hmm. all right so exfoliating is is cleaning up the floor before you the the floor (laughs) of your face before you swiffer it with the serums and the toners yes 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 and there's two kinds of uh, exfoliants right there's chemical exfoliants which have um, bha or aha so it's like a peeling mask or a peeling gel you can apply like it's like applying like a lotion and it'll like kind of um, break down the dead skin or you can use a physical exfoliant which is with a washcloth or what i have here um, it's a rice soft scrub uh, mask wash off or like a sugar scrub. So you would apply it and like manually rub your face with it. it uh, this one has like little rice beads in it um, and or like a brush, like a Clarisonic brush, which would help remove slough off that dead skin. Okay. Cell. Yeah. And so and I want to throw in there, <clears throat> maybe there's 2.1 types of exfoliators or maybe you know this one is also part of the chemical exfoliator family but there's enzymatic foliators and that might be part of the chemical Chemical, exfoliator family Mm -hmm. um but your enzymatic uh um exfoliators think of them as like your chemical exfoliators is your you know uh a chemical process And then you have your enzymatic, it's like buying at the grocery store organic, right? So enzymatic would be something like pumpkin, uh, pumpkin exfoliator, a fruit. And that, the particles of that, when it's on your face, eats away the dead skin cells. So it's doing the same thing as the chemical ones, but instead of it being a chemical product that's been developed or whatever, it's inorganic, it's a fruit, it's papaya, it's pumpkin, it's something like that that's eating it away. Okay. Um, and and so no, starting uh-huh. off, so starting off, I'm me and I'm, I'm not sure like what my exact skin type is. Um, how should I approach exfoliating? Um, you would want to, I would say go with a chemical or enzymatic exfoliator. Okay. And the reason why I like the, I personally like both and I do both in the same week. One at the beginning of my week, I'll do one or the other. At the end of my week, I'll do the other. That's so you just would, me. That's you just would, you exfoliate twice um, a week. I exfoliate twice a week. That's my process. I think everyone should exfoliate 
once a week for sure. But if you're really on your skincare and if your skin really needs it, if you're like an older person, exfoliate twice a week. If you're in phase two or phase three, if you're younger, once a week is probably good for you. If you're new to skincare or if your skincare is really sensitive, your skin is really sensitive, you don't need to do twice a week. Everyone needs to start with once a week. I know my skin. So twice a week for me, it's really good. On the flip side for me, I would say for Kay, the opposite. I would tell her to go sensitive just because she's so new to it. Um, Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Go sensitive. Oh, sorry. I thought you meant. Yeah. Oh, so you, you think the chemical ones are more sensitive than the physical ones? If you're getting an enzymatic one, and that's what I was going to say from there. So I would go on the sensitive route and I would go with an enzymatic. Um, There are, uh, I forget the product names, but I'm going to think of it. There's um, ones where it's a little powder and you put a little bit of water in your hands and you put it on and then you let it sit on your face and you massage it and uh, push it around. So it works almost like a physical one. It's like a combined. It's because the little powder is working as a physical one, but also what the powder is, it's enzyme. So it's also eating it away at the same time. Mm -hmm. So you have something like a Kate Somerville, um, uh, erratic, is it eradicate? No, eradicate is a product. There's Kate Somerville that she has that I don't remember the name of it. Y'all skincare like junkies out there. Don't be mad at me for not knowing all the <laughs> But you know, people will be like, yes, God, yes. but she has one where you put it on and you let it sit and it eats and then you wash away and it eats it away. That one's a little bit of a rougher enzymatic one. But you have something like the Tatcha, 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 I don't know. T-A-T-C-H-A. Um, it's a rice enzymatic powder. And what happens is that one is gentle and soft while also doing both the physical scrub while also eating away with the enzymatic part of it. That's what I would recommend for you. And I would actually recommend that product as well or something very similar to it. Shishado, I think, might have another one similar to it. Those products came from the Asian skincare market, uh, the enzymatic powders. And then other people started doing them. The reason why I like those products is because what ends up happening is people don't know that if you get a physical scrub that you haven't really vetted, it can actually create many tears in your skin. This is true. Your skin. Don't so I always with, like, recommend walnut shells in it because those mm-hmm. things it'll be micro. It'll feel like sand. Good. Exactly. And a lot of people will go get these products at your local pharmacy that they make in these big batches to sell across the world, right? With all these different products in it and parabens and chemicals and things to make it last and stand. So I don't buy any, I, I am a huge I'm going to get in trouble because some of them want to endorse me. You know, give me an endorsement deal at one point. <laughs> at this phase in my life, I'm a huge advocate of not buying skincare from the major pharmaceutical companies because mm. they are made for mass production. I'm a huge fan of going to your local skincare store, like at Sephora or Ulta, and getting those smaller products that have been, oftentimes been bought out by the bigger companies. People don't even know that. They've been bought out by those larger, you know, companies, but they're still allowing those smaller companies to create the products that they create because those products are being created with more detail and care and initiative 
to creating groundbreaking work for skincare. And they're oftentimes better for you. Now, most people will go to any store and say, okay, I need to exfoliate. Let me get this apricot scrub. And then they'll put it on their skin and it's really harsh. And it's really big and it's creating many tears and they don't even know it's creating these many tears in their skin. So that's why I'm always not a fan of telling someone to go start with the physical scrubs because I can't guarantee that I'm, mm. I know I'm not going to be there with you. And I can't guarantee that you would be able to pick up the right physical scrub that's not going to be one that actually is more abrasive to your skin than helpful to your mm. skin. And ah. just because you scrub in your face and you feel like you scrub in your face, you feel like you got sandpaper. You're like, oh, it's sandpaper working. Your face is not a wall. You are not supposed to be sandpaper in your face. Exfoliating <laughs> should not feel like you have sandpaper in your face. Oh, that's but the some other of these <clears throat> is that I think some people think like for skincare or like even like brushing your teeth, like you need to be hard and rough for it to work. Mm -hmm. I think kind of like with Kay, when you were talking about makeup, like thinking that like the makeup has to look makeup-y for it to be wearing makeup, for someone to be wearing makeup, it doesn't have to be that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can yeah. really, I've, so I've done that. I've just gone to like, you know, pharmacy or, you know, drugstore and just like, oh, scrub, you know, especially when I get like these kind mm-hmm. of like, you know, these spots that are kind of like, I get kind of very um, like deep, um, you know, pimples and spots. So like, they're not, they're not close to the service. So, but they feel like very pressurized. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would use like, just the, anything that said scrub um, and that it's something that feels like it would like attack it. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just like a lot of people do that. And that's why that's why I don't recommend the physical scrubs. <clears throat> now, after you've done skincare for a while and you've done your research and you started to figure out your favorite brands and you're getting used to your skin because your skin is just like once you start taking care of your skin, just like when you're taking care of your body, you start to figure out what works for you, what your skin likes, what your skin doesn't like. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would say start to go to a physical one if you're like really starting to get into exfoliating. But I will say three brands that I would recommend that you check out for sensitive skin and for someone who's starting, um, and these are not endorsed by these companies. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> we are, we are uh, um, not makeup, skincare makeup professionals. <laughs> we are not dermatologists. These are just friendly recommendations. These are yes, friendly yes, yes. recommendations, and that is right. Do not be coming at me. I am not giving you a prescription. I am not an expert for your life. I, I ain't even an expert for my life. Um, <laughs> Uh, First Aid Beauty is a very gentle line and they have a full assortment of all types of products for various different skin types. Very great for sensitive skin. Another one is Boscha or Boschka. I don't know how to say it. Uh, B-O-S-C-A, I think, or B-O-S-C-H-A. Maybe that one. Again, great natural products, sensitive. Um, and another one is just having this slip. Well, I already gave you Clinique. Clinique is great because it's hypoallergenic. Um, Boshia, yeah, B-O-S-C-I-A. Clinique is great because it's hypoallergenic. Um, and uh, there was another one I couldn't think of that I just lost. We mentioned Tatcha earlier. Yeah, I think that that was the other one I was going to say. And you can get Tasha. Um, and, you know, those products, they're, they're just they're really good. And um, they've been vetted. They've been around for a while. They've got great products. They've also got products that people have been, you know, been inspired to create. You know, Boshia was one of the ones who came up with this makeup breakup oil uh, and, and using this 
or a face wash that's an oil that goes into a, a deep you know, removing in the makeup. And then all of a sudden after that does so well, everyone's creating these makeup removing oils, right? Like, um, I would like to also add a Soko glam to the list. It's not a brand. Mm. It's a website where you can get all your cream beauty product needs. Oh, great. Mm -hmm. Um, and the other one is Corez K O R R E S I think. And they're a Greek company. Um, again, great for sensitive skin, uh, for people that has lots of different products in there and you'll find some good stuff that won't ruin your skin. And if you get the wrong product, it definitely won't. And, you know, well, I shouldn't say it won't ruin your skin. It won't harm your skin. It won't harm your skin that I'm aware of. Let me say that because again, I ain't being held accountable in line. Um, but (laughs) those are some of the product lines that I would say. So I would say for UK once a week, exfoliate. Um, you definitely want to start with once a week. Middle day. Uh, I like to do night because I feel like it is a uh, part of my self-care routine again. And it's like, it's something that helps prep me for bed because then the night that I do my exfoliators are often a night that I do masks as well. And I do serums and I, Mm -hmm. well, I do serums every day, but like it's when, let me put it like this. Oftentimes the night that I do my exfoliator is when I am doing like a 20, 30 minute skincare process Mm. at minimum. We're talking, I'm going to wash my face. I'm going to exfoliate and then I'm going to do a mask. Then I'm going to do another mask. And then if I really feel kinky, I'm going to throw in a third mask and Mm. then I'm going to throw in my serums and then my face lotion. And then I'm going to take myself to bed. And part of the, the reason you do like you give yourself an, a, your skin extra TLC when you exfoliate is because, again, you've sloughed off a lot of dead mm-hmm. skin and you and and so now that's like exposed and you have this like fresh baby skin and you want to you, you want to just drown it in moisturizer. So it's mm-hmm. nice. It's so I'm sealed. just gonna, I'm going to pour everything up in and, that and then you do it at night, too. It helps because then you have all this product on your face. And when you go to sleep, your skin at night regenerates and, right. and it's mm-hmm. working on building all that up. So it's, it's able to while you're resting, it's able to like absorb that. And OK, you, so mm-hmm. the, the mask is is the more medicine, right? I, I always thought masks were the like serums. like a washer. Oh, serums are more mask. Oh, so you're thinking like mask, a mud mask, okay? Yeah. Like there's different kinds of mask. A mud mask you can put on to like clean, um, and then you wipe that mm-hmm. off because it's done like a deep clean of your face. But then there's also the Korean sheet masks, or you can do like a mask mm-hmm. in terms of like um like a heavier cream and like it sit. It's like I don't know how to describe it. It's like a mask, like M A S Q. Yeah. Yeah. So think uh. of your mask as a treatment. Okay. Right? Like, because you your serums you, you can exfoliate. use every day. Yes, your serums you can use every day. Your masks are something like your exfoliators, where you only want to do a mask once or twice a week, okay. depending on your skincare needs. You don't need to be doing a mask every day, mm-hmm. unless you're doing a different type of a mask every day. Maybe one day you're doing a hydrating mask, the next day you're doing a high brightening mask, the next day you're doing a clay mask. Because there's all these different types of masks, right? So why would you? You don't need to do that every day, though. But yeah, once or twice a week for your mask and your exfoliators. And some masks have now combined to exfoliators. So you could also get those too, where it's like you put it on, uh, you let it dry. And then after you let it dry, you get the water and then you start to move it around like an exfoliator and it breaks down into this exfoliating product and starts to exfoliate as well. So there's so much to do. But for you, what I would say is just start with, start with a simple enzymatic 
rice powder exfoliator. Okay. And that's what you want to do. Well, I... Well, thank you so much. I feel so armed with knowledge and I'm going to find something and start using it because I've been wearing a lot more makeup. And so that actually has allowed made me kind of break out a little more often (laughs) because I'm like putting it on, washing it off, putting it on, washing it off. Um, Double cleansing. Yes. Yes. Double cleansing. Um, And then also, you know, around the eyes, trying to stay soft. But also whenever I use eyeliner, I do like extra uh, massaging because it's waterproof. So it's harder to get off. Um, uh, you can also use like an oil. I think we mentioned this right, like oil, oil base, which I'm, I'm having trouble yeah. finding. Cause so many specifically are like oil free, oil free yeah. eye makeup remover. So I'm having to look like at, specifically um, search for that. Look at for that because you want to be, this is the most delicate area. The eye area is the most delicate area of your face. So you want to, work that area the least right unless you have like a specific tool or product that's really good to use that and gentle with that but most people with their hands if they're washing their face and doing their eye area with their hands they'll get too rough so Mm -hmm. um you want to definitely be really careful with that area because that's where your skin is the thinnest on your face and look for that oil-free makeup that oil makeup remover sephora uh, brand has a good one. Um, check Clinique. I don't know if they have one. Um, Benefit has like a cream or they did at a time. I don't know if they still have it. They had like a cream and you put it on and you just let it sit. And sometimes that's what you have to do with um, your oil eyeliner removers, eye removers, is you have to get it on that little cotton swab and mm. then you press it on for a little bit to let it break down the oils of the makeup. Then you start to gently start uh, to move it away. A okay. lot of people will take it, wet it, and then just go just, straight to like yeah. left, right, left, right. And it's like, no, 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 like let the let it sit on the area, let it break it down for a few seconds. Doesn't have to be long, and then work it. I was oh, dropped okay. in the chat um vanilla company. It's a, a cleansing balm that might help break down some of your more waterproof makeup. Okay, okay. Mm. I am copying and pasting all of these into my notes. Also, um if you need help, let me know. Oh yeah, yeah, yes. definitely definitely. Um but it's always good just to like to soak the knowledge up in like mm. one kind of fell swoop. And then usually what happens with me, it's like, what's stuck, you know, <laughs> after mm-hmm. I'm done, I'm like, I what do I remember? It's a great way to process it. Um, do you mm-hmm. have a, a Quincy, do you have a theme for today's <gasps> yes. episode? We always try we to do connect a thematic the makeup. Don's out with the makeup to the, uh, the movie. Um, just like T'Challa had to slough off his family history to get to the truth, we exfoliate our faces to remove dense dead skin cells and remove uh, and expose our fresh faces. Yay! <laughs> Very nice. I, uh, I I also thought that um, exfoliating is much like how they bury themselves in the in the dirt and in the snow to to uh, access that different plane. So exfoliating is like accessing the different plane of your skin. So that was my attempt at a theme. Um, But so that brings us to the end of the podcast. Thank you so much, Donzel, for joining us. It was such a pleasure to have someone who is such an award-winning, illustrious guest with us today. (laughs) (laughs) Who does everything. (laughs) 
Um, where can people find you or do you have any specific um, items you would like to plug? Um, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, you know, to be honest, I have not really been active on social media. It's been so great, but I got to get back out there because people are always like, where can we find you? You can find me on Instagram at just underscore Donzel. That's J-U-S-T underscore D-O-N-Z-E-L-L. Um, so find me at Instagram, just underscore Donzel. And if you are hot single guy and you're interested, <laughs> then you are welcome to slide into my DMs. Oh, dang. Um, if you are a casting director and you're interested in casting me, you can slide into my DMs. Um, if you are a wealthy millionaire and you're thinking about becoming my sponsor or my sugar daddy, you can slide into my DMs. If you're a prince, um, <laughs> legit prince with a castle. <laughs> slide into my DMs. Slide in. <laughs> <laughs> and then sell us the rights to your story so we can write that movie for Netflix. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much again. And if you'd like to reach out to us or find out more about Marvel Makeup, you can follow us on all social media at Marvel Makeup, or you can email us at Marvel Makeup uh, Pod at gmail.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. And please give us five stars so that our Asian moms will know that we're actually pretty entertaining. Yeah. And, and you know, that I, you're doing 110%. Exactly. <laughs> we are, even though it's mathematically impossible. Mathematically impossible. <laughs> well, thank you, everyone. Catch you next time on Marvel and Makeup. Bye. <laughs>Marvel Makeup is hosted and produced by Quincy Cho and Kay Kanapu. Quincy is an actor-writer based in Los Angeles, California. Kay is a writer-performer for Filipino AF and an alum of the CBS Diversity Sketch Showcase. You can follow them on Twitter and Instagram at Quincy Dinosaur and at Kay Kanapu. The music for Marvel Makeup was composed by Clarence Yap and our artwork was designed by Patty Lynn. You can find them on Instagram at Clarence underscore Yap and at PattyLynn.jpg. See our show notes for even more info. Marvel Makeup is also a member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a network of Asian American hosted podcasts. Please check out our fellow Potluck pods by going to the website, podcastpotluck.com. Hello, I'm Phil Yu, and I'm the host of All the Asians on Star Trek, the podcast in which I interview all the Asians on Star Trek. I'm talking to actors, writers, Directors, stunt people, background extras. You know, all the Asians on Star Trek. Find out more at all the Asians on Star Trek.com. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Live long and prosper. And then I'm going to talk us up. Like we might actually be at a show, actually, but waiting. Okay. Are you good, Quincy? Yeah, sorry. Maple knows you're on. Dee Dee, I think she knows. Oh my gosh, hi Maple. <laughs> she insisted. She knows my voice. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. And we're going to say, coming to the stage, Quincy Cho. <laughs> oh, oh, she's like, wait, no, this is really bad. This is okay. Ow, ow, ow. Ow. Oh my God, sorry. Okay. <laughs> my dad. That was my dog.